we're good. Hey guys, how's everybody doing? Good. Good, good. Tonight I'm going to talk about friendship, specifically talking about um, how to help your friends. Um, and this is, it seems kind of surface, but this is really a teaching that can go really deep. Should probably be like a two month series. Um, if you really boil it down, it's probably like a lifetime of like fine learning things. Um, but we're going to kind of go through like an overview tonight. Um, we really felt like this was something pertinent, you know, as a family, as a group, you know, we need to know that we need to help one another. We're not just here to come and get fed on Saturday nights. We're not just here to continue like it's about me and growing my life and getting my blessings and stuff like that. You know, it's about we're in this together. You know, I'm going to show you a couple passages tonight about we're doing this together. We do life together. It's a, you know, kind of cliche phrase that a lot of people say today. Oh, we do life together. Uh, like we do life. But are you actually doing life with one another? Are you actually getting to know your friends and not just hanging out with each other and doing surfacey things? You know, so that's pretty much some of the stuff we're going to talk about. Before we go any further, I'm going to pray because that's always a pretty good step. Um, I'm going to try to keep it kind of shorter tonight. Not like super short. I'm going to try to keep it short. Uh, I tend to talk a lot. But I do want to like open it up closer to the end to ask some, like let you guys ask questions. Because, you know, like I said, this is a broad topic that we're going to talk about. And I'm sure people will have specific questions. So if you have questions, write them down. Think about them throughout the teaching so that you have them. Yes, Emma. Jeez. So, uh... <laughs> Yeah, think of questions, because your questions are important. Um, other than that, let's pray. Dad, we just thank you so much for tonight. Thank you um, that you desire your kids to have healthy relationships, not just with you, Father, but with one another. That um, their relationships with their friends and their brothers and sisters in Christ is just a, a fruit of their relationship with you, God. And um, I just thank you that uh, we are a healthy community, that we want to be a healthy community, that we want to... Um, be emotionally, physically, spiritually healthy, and so we will do the things that it takes, Father. So Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would speak um, to tonight, and that you would give me the words to say that you want to say tonight, um, not what anybody else wants to say, but what you want to say, God. Have your way tonight, and uh, Dad, I just pray that this would ignite things in our hearts, that it would ignite us towards something, um, that we wouldn't leave this room wanting to not change, that we would leave this room tonight wanting to be different and do things better. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So, like I said, we're going to be talking about helping people, um, and I love this topic. I love helping people. It is like, it makes my heart come alive. You can ask Monica, like, even if I'm, like, tired, I'll sit down and talk to somebody who, like, needs to talk about something or needs help with something, and I'll sit there and just be like, <laughs> like, by the end of it, I'm like, Woo! Like, jumping around, like, I'm alive. Um, so, I want you to know that this is also a call for your life, you know. It's not just because I'm a leader and, like, you know, I have a recognized title as a leader at Identity House, you know, House Church. This is not just for me. This is not just for someone who has the title of pastor. You know, when you sign up, when you give your life to Jesus, like, you sign up for this. You sign up to love the people of God, to love the family of God, to love people who don't even love God. Mm -hmm. And just be honest with yourself. You don't have to raise your hands or anything, but how many of us are actually doing that? How many of us actually put other people's lives above our own? So 
Sometimes. Sometimes. Yes. <laughs> and I, you know, it's not, I will talk about this more. I'm not against self-love. Actually, I'm very for self-love, but I don't believe that self-love leads us to a place where we don't want to help others because that's not self-love. That's selfishness. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you don't become a Christian just to have a better day. You become a Christian because you love Jesus and you want to help one another. You want to help the, the kingdom come to earth. You know, we have a mandate from God to bring the kingdom of heaven down to earth and destroy the works of the devil. And a lot of the works of the devil have been built and, you know, are standing in generational curses that have lasted for years and decades and generations and families. And when it comes to people, this is like one of the, like, the devil's playing field where he thinks he's reigning and God wants to enter into people's lives through relationship. And so that we can help tear down those, you know, demonic structures, those whatever those are, and bring in the kingdom of God, bring in the life that Jesus promised. So, y'all got your Bibles? Tight. Let's open them things up. It's always a good thing to do, too. Galatians chapter 6. I think, actually, we'll start in the end of 5. Um, does somebody want to read for me? I like when other people read. Emma, you got it. <clears throat> I want you to read chapter 5, verse 22 to the end. Somebody else want to read? Anybody? Monica. Can you read uh, verse chapter 6, 1 through 5? And then one more person? Kate? Oh, sorry, Chelsea. Uh, you can get the next one. It's coming. Uh, <laughs> Kate, if you can read uh, chapter 6, verse 6 through verse 10. Um, Emma, whenever you're ready. Mm -hmm. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Did you say one through three or five? Five. Okay. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you be, yet lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Let him that is taught in the word communicate to him who te that teaches in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially to them who are of the household of faith. Nice. So, that was a larger portion of Scripture. There's really only a couple verses there I want to focus on. I just like giving the context. I would write those verses down so that you can read the full context of what th this passage is talking about. Um, but really what I want to focus on is... Uh, Chapter 6, verses 1 through, I think, 3. Yeah. 
1 through 3. You know, Paul talks about if a man be overtaken in a fault. And that word overtaken there, um, it, it, it's the same word for being like surprised, something that just comes up out of nowhere. And how many of us have had something come up out of nowhere that just smacked us like a freaking freight, freight train, you know? Mm-hmm. That you were like, holy crap, I don't want to get up. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this thing. I am overwhelmed. We've all felt that. Well, Paul's telling those who are spiritual, meaning those of you who... <laughs> Stephanie. <laughs> those of you who are uh, spiritual, meaning those of you who have a spirit and that spirit is in connection with the Holy Spirit, which that's all of us. So he's calling us Christians. This is your job, is to restore such a one. And that word restore, I love this word. It actually means to like set, like it's like used as a medical term, to set a bone back into place or to restore back to its original function. So Paul's telling us to help restore somebody back to what they were originally created to be. This is what the whole process of helping people is. It's not me trying to change a person's mind and trying to you know, tell them that, oh, you're completely wrong, you need to do this. And we're going to talk about that. But it's restoring them back to the truth, back to their original created value. What is original creative value? I'm, I'll probably say that a lot, but original creative value is just the fact that God said this person is worthy to be made. <laughs> God created a person and said, this is good. That this person has a purpose in their life. Every person is created with a purpose. You know, they're not just created to be, you know, <laughs> a trash can or a failure. That is, a, yeah, that, that is a lie. And if you feel like you're created to be a trash can, no, you're failing. <laughs> um, <clears throat> this is really big, too, when it comes to church. A, a, a big failure in the church today is its lack of care for its people. You know, one of the big reasons we became a house church is because uh, house church is way easier to manage than a church of 100 people. And um, we don't like the fact that there would be people that would go unnoticed. That's the really powerful part about house church is that nobody goes unnoticed, you know. And, um, yeah, uh, there's just too many people that have slipped in in the cracks and just go to church just to go to church and never became a part of the church because they just, there was nobody there for them. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they haven't also been activated or told that there are leaders. You know, each one of you is a leader. I say this a lot when I talk because I fully believe it. You know, there there is definitely got like authority structures that God puts into place where you know we are called to be leaders of the church and like Ron, Kate, I, Matt, Savannah, we are leaders here at the church. Annie, um, just making sure I didn't leave anybody out. Chelsea. I, Chelsea, sorry, I'm not trying to leave anybody out. It's just blank. Your wife. <clears throat> My wife, Monica. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but <laughs> she's me. You know, we're, we're one, so I wasn't totally wrong. <laughs> Um, you know, we are called to be leaders of the church, but that doesn't make any of you guys any less. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when the disciples first started the church, you know, when that first started, they all had an equal say. Mm-hmm. You know, they all witnessed God. You know, it wasn't until after that Paul, you know, instilled like church leadership and the leadership structure. But in the very beginning, it was just the disciples doing life together. And uh, my dream is that, you know, this church wouldn't really need, you know, a leadership team. Not because it's not 
necessary, but because each one of you has like such good things to say. Each one of you here's, has the same spirit of God that we have, you know? And so, um, I don't know why I'm going on this whole tangent here, but I think it's really good to hear is that like you are a leader and you are have just as much responsibility in this church as somebody who has the title of leadership position. You know, this is another reason why a lot of churches fail is because, you know, pastors can't reach every single person. Yeah. But if we were to activate every person in the church body to know that they're a leader, to know that they are capable and able to help one another, and we were actually open with one another, do you know how healthy this church would be? Do you know how fast it would grow? <laughs> and you know, we're not here for growth and numbers for our church, but we are for growth and numbers for the kingdom. Yeah. You know, we do want that for the kingdom. You know, we're ready to take background. The devil has stolen for too long, and we're here to kick butt and take names. But we can do that by making sure that we are emotionally healthy people, that as our inner man prospers, so our outer man prospers. But a lot of times we miss the inner man. Let us focus. Let's let's fix the inner man. Let's work on that together. Um, <clears throat> that's big stuff. Um, a lot of times the church treats people as if they, when they have problems, they either ignore those problems and pretend like they're not there or that they're being dramatic, or they treat those problems as if they're like the end of the world. <laughs> I know we've probably all seen that or been a part of that. I'm sorry if you have been a part of that, where somebody in the church thought you were too much of a problem, because that isn't the case. You are not a problem. We talk about separation here all the time. Like, you are not your sin. You are not your mistakes. And that is truth. You are a child of God. You do have a purpose. You do have, like, so much promise for you. Um, and that's really important to know. But we as a church, I I'm telling you this because it's a responsibility for all of us that we take this seriously. That when somebody is hurting, it's not just Ron's job to go and help them. That when somebody is hurting, it's not just Cameron's job. Oh, because he's the pastor and he knows how to care for people. Yeah. No. It is our job as a family to take care of one another. We look out for one another. You know, the word disciple in the Bible, the Greek word for disciple, actually means to do things shoulder to shoulder with one another. Mm. Mm. Yeah, go ahead and write that one. <laughs> That's a good one. But, you know, don't let church just be Saturday night, us coming together and do this. This is great. I love this. There's a lot of people here tonight. This is fun. But, like, think of how much more we can do. Think of how much more we could do if some of us were, like, you know, hanging out with Stephanie and went to Eco Flats. Mm -hmm. You know, there are people that need to be loved there. And, you know, there are people in other people's jobs. You know, whatever it is, you know, I'm just saying, we, we are powerful people. And we can make such a big impact in the community and the world around us because we understand these things. Um... <clears throat> God doesn't want you to bear your burdens on your own. Verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. He's implying there that you weren't created to bear your own burdens alone. So this whole idea of, oh, I have to get through it on my own. Oh, I have to, I have to do this myself. Stop. <laughs> That's not true. You know, there are choices you have to make that only you can make. 
but that doesn't mean that you have to bear the whole burden yourself. The burden is meant to be shared, to be distri distributed over many people. Sorry. Distributed. Distributed. Yeah. Distributed. <laughs> <laughs> distributed. <laughs> um, you know, he also talks about here the. Uh, <laughs> I love this verse. When I first read it, I was like, that hurts. But he said, uh, For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. That sounds pretty harsh, right? But he's not saying that you're nothing. That's not what Paul's saying. So rest assured, you're not nothing. You're not a trash can. <laughs> Paul's introducing this concept of looking out for one another to honor one another and honor one another's needs above your own. And this is such a like cool concept. I was just sitting there, I was reading this yesterday and just thinking about it and like playing it out in my head. Like, you know, if I were to sit here with Ron and like only consider his burdens, like consider his life as more precious than my own and try to look out for him as best as I could. I'm like constantly looking up to him and looking in any way that I can help him. And then if he does the reverse to me, same thing, right? In this process, nobody's looking down on one another. I'm not looking down on Ron because of his burdens and his troubles. I'm actually looking up to him. So we have a whole community of people who are looking up to one another. Never looking down. Never, you know, demeaning one another. This is a big deal. This is really good stuff that Paul is, like, giving to us. And um, I think it's really, like, key and crucial to the health of the church. Um, yeah, let's go to our next passage of Scripture. Uh, Philippians chapter 2. I know Chelsea wants to read. I got you. <clears throat> mm. Filipinos. Filipinos. <laughs> Chelsea, I'm going to make you read a lot. Oh, Uh, Filipinos too. Oh wait, Philippians. <laughs> Just a uh, chat, verse one through verse eleven. Paul once again goes over what I just literally talked about, but you know, look not every man onto his own things, but in lowliness of mind, 
esteem each other better than themselves. So, two witnesses, that's good. If you read it twice in the Bible, you should probably pay attention. He's telling us, you know, pay attention to others' needs. Put them above yourself. And so, like, when it comes to the self-love thing, let's just talk about that really quick. Self-love and self-care is really good. It is really good. You need to be able to take care of yourself and love yourself before you love somebody else. Because if you don't know how to love yourself, you probably won't know how to love somebody else very well. Um, But when it becomes a crutch, you know, when you never are making progress, and the self-love's not working and you're doing something wrong, and you're actually discrediting yourself and discounting yourself from actually doing what God's called you to do, which is helping one another. Yeah? Mike? <laughs> What's that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, the, in modern culture, like, <clears throat> self-love is like, I need to take a bath or I need to go do this thing for myself all the time. And like, sometimes you need that, but it, when the Bible talks about self-love, more often than not, it's, it's talking <clears throat> about things that are like, very based in self-discipline and, and helping you become a better person and yeah. accept yourself more. And the way that we love ourselves, we're supposed to love ourselves the way that Jesus does, and in doing so, it frees us from the need of having to constantly look at ourselves and look out for ourselves and be like, oh, well, I need this and I need that. Yeah. Uh, the concept of self-love in the Bible is supposed to be so freeing that you trust that God is going to provide for you so that you can help provide for others. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And I was just going to say, too, to add on to that, because that segues perfectly, is look at Jesus' life. Did Jesus, <laughs> Jesus standing in front of crowds going, y'all know what? Y'all need to go home, because I need a, I got a bubble bath waiting on me. I've been planning this for weeks. Like, I, I got my manicure going on. Like, I need to love myself, because y'all have been tiring me out, and no. He never said that, obviously. That's dumb. But he did self-love he did take care of himself but what did that look like he was up in the wee hours of the morning before anybody was else anybody else was up anybody else was awake so he never missed out on an opportunity to you know be there for people to be who he was meant to be you know available for people you know this is it's just a big deal you know if you're having trouble like loving yourself and you're not getting any progress stop like doing like outward things and just wake up a little earlier in the morning or later at night that's also a really good one instead of sitting up super late and just surfing Facebook or you know playing video games or whatever you know take the time to just get alone while everybody else is going to sleep or waking up before they're waking up get alone with them talk to them get to know your dad I promise you this will activate you more than any other thing will when you know that God is taking care of you and that God is good and he's a good father and he doesn't neglect his children and he won't give his son a stone if he asks for a fish and he, he is inviting you to ask and you shall receive you know when he's um, you realize that he's inviting you into this like you will trust him more and you'll be way more active in your life you know when somebody asks for help you won't be like oh this is incring- like infringing on my time you know that that's how I know you've been not spending time with God. <laughs> it's when you're saying that people are infringing on your time. Now, there are people that will try to take advantage of you and try to hang out with you all the time. And there are boundaries that can be set. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But all that being said, 
self-love that leads to isolation is not mm-hmm. self-love. Chelsea. And Jesus also let other people love on him. Yeah. Which is loving yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to say it. And then he received. Yeah. So people yep. took care of him as he took care of others. Yeah. So, yeah. I didn't want to say it because I always go back to Mary Magdalene, you know, pouring the... I mean, I was gonna or Mary Bethany. It, yeah. Sorry, I always get mixed and, up. Yeah, pouring the oil <laughs> and putting her hand Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> like, I'm giving to you. You received. Yeah. yeah. So, um, we'll move on now into more... That's kind of like more theology stuff. Just to base, like, the idea of relationships and, you know, why we want to help one another. Why we're commanded to do so, you know, that it is a, a fruit of our relationship with Jesus, and that if it isn't exhibiting in your life, you might want to check something, just leave that for you, but let's move on into the actual process of helping people, and um, I'm going to give you a disclaimer, this this can be done so many different ways, there are like basic truths that I'm going to share with you that, you know, I find one helpful, but... Um, they're just good truths to know when it comes to dealing with people and helping people. Um, But the number one goal when it comes to helping people, and this, I want everybody to hear this, is that people are not your projects and you cannot use a formula to figure somebody out. And when you're starting to use a formula to figure somebody out, you need to stop smack yourself in the face, go back and learn what it is to help people, and then start over. You hear me? Okay. (laughs) Good. Let's move forward. Uh, There are two foundations, well, three foundations of, uh, well, two main foundations I I wrote down of uh, relationships, and when it comes to helping people that I like to keep in mind, um, number one, the ultimate goal with relationship is connection we always want to you know pursue connection with a person I never just want to help somebody and not have a relationship with them because what good is somebody is you know telling you what's wrong with your life if they have no idea what your life is like yeah they're probably you know going off a script mm-hmm. you know because you know I may have daddy issues and Monica may have daddy issues but both of our added daddy issues are gonna be very different because we have different daddies mm-hmm. you know Confirmed. But it's not always the same. Yeah. You know, how many times do we hear, oh, that person has daddy issues, oh, that person has daddy issues, and put them under the same umbrella because right. they have daddy issues? No, it's very different, and it manifests very different. Um, so when you try to connect with people, before you even try to help, you show that person that one, I value you. Mm-hmm. One, I value your life. I value just who you are more than my need to help you. Yeah. You know, and that is crucial. Um, we don't need to help anyone. <laughs> you know, it's a, a honor and a privilege for me to help somebody with their problem. But people don't need me. I'm not like I'm special and unique because God made me special. But I'm not special or unique just for, you know, your problem. God is the one that you need. He may be using me in that situation. So, um, two things that I like to keep in mind when it comes to dealing with people before I even go into helping somebody is unconditional love. You know, unconditional love says no matter what you do, no matter what you've done or what you will do, 
I'm going to choose to love you and I'm going to choose to pursue connection with you. That is unconditional love. Conditional love says you need to do these things to, you know, earn my acceptance and earn my love. And boy, does that get twisted. <laughs> like, that is not good. Unconditional love says no matter what. And I think it's easy to hear that word unconditional and go, oh yeah, unconditional love. I know what that means. But man, it is hard sometimes. Some people do some dumb stuff. Some people do some things that you were like, oh, bruv. <laughs> what are you thinking? But I choose to love them and know that their you know, mistakes, the dumb things they're doing, it's not them. They're manifesting. There's something going on deeper. Um, the other thing is unconditional acceptance. This is a little different than unconditional love. It says that um, your life is your life. My life is my life. And I'm not going to control you. And I'm going to honor you when you make a choice. Because your choice is your choice for your life. And I can't live your life for you. That's a whole other thing because like, we're not here to control people. God saw fit to give everybody free will. If God sees fit to give everybody free will, then you better fall in line too. <laughs> you definitely don't have a better idea than God does. <laughs> you know, God, God has a way better idea than you do. For sure. Uh, Can you prove that theologically? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Anyways, we won't get into meaningless debates. <laughs> um, so, throughout the process of like helping somebody, if somebody comes to me and wants help, or somebody's exhibiting a problem and you know I, I want to help, one thing I'm always doing is I'm always fighting for that person's created value. Caitlin, what's created value? <laughs> Thank you. A creator that saw good in you, saw purpose in you, put it all in you. Yeah, calls you your fav his favorite kid. You know, the list goes on. There's so much stuff we could put under that title. Um, but he thought this out for a long time. <laughs> Once again, God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't, God doesn't have bad ideas. It was a good idea for each one of us to be born. And so if God thinks that, then I need to think that. I need to m make sure that I'm catching what God says about people so that I treat them how God wants me to treat them and not just how I feel when I see them. Moving forward, uh, a couple things um, that I do on top of those foundations is just love people unconditionally. You know, love casts out all fear. And when there's no fear, that means that somebody feels safe. I want people to feel safe with me. I want them to feel able to feel like they can be open and vulnerable, that they're not judged, that, you know, I'm not just writing a list and, you know, trying to figure them out. I want them to know that, I want to know about your life, you know. What happened? Like, you know, is there stuff that went on? Because I want to know. And if, if there is something that happened, I want to, like, love you through it. I want to help you through it because you're so much more than that. Love is a big thing. Um, honoring people, this is crucial. Hon I man, I I could talk about honoring people for days because this is so so big. Honor isn't like something that should be expected. Honor is something that you choose to give to somebody freely, and so you know if somebody expects honor from you and they haven't done anything honorable, that's kind of sucky. But you are the one who's responsible. You can choose to give them honor. And that is a crazy place to be in when somebody expects you to honor them and they need you to honor them, but you honor them 
not because they expected you to, but because you know what God says about them. Yeah. That's a really hard place to be in. Um, this happens a lot with leadership, because um, a lot of times, I'm, I'm, I know a lot of people have been hurt by leadership, whether it's in church or whether it's in work or whether it's in, you know, whatever different things there is. You know, it's very easy to get hurt by leadership, and it's very easy too for leaders to expect, come to expect that you need to honor them, that you need to, you know, give them that, you know, honor and respect. But that's not how it goes. Honor is something you give to them freely. It is a gift. And if you feel honored, or if you are honored, you need to, like, honor back. <laughs> give honor. Honor is good. Um, it, it just puts you, too, in a place of you're going to win. So, like, if somebody's treating me bad... I love, this is one of my favorite things. If somebody's treating me like a jerk and like, you know, not talking to me or like ignoring me or, you know, whatever different thing, I, it's really easy for me to get offended because <laughs> I'm a strong-willed person and I'm like, dang it, I'm lovable, you know? <laughs> I got a lot of Facebook friends. But, <laughs> but it, you will, I say transcend, I don't mean it in like a weird way, but... Like, you literally can't transcend that, like, uh, the uh, bait of Satan. John Bevere wrote a book called The Bait of Satan. Highly recommend. Yeah. Holy crap. It's so good. But, like, the bait is thrown, and you can transcend the bait. You don't need the bait. And you actually choose to honor the person who's throwing the bait. <laughs> Plot twist. It's the, the whole concept of, you know, heaping hot coals over somebody's head. You know, it, it's so good. Um, moving forward, um, in a relationship, you carry your responsibility for the relationship and I carry my own responsibility. I'm not carrying yours and you're not carrying mine. We both have a, a shared responsibility in this. Um, I'm not crossing that line. If I cross that line, it can lead to bad things. Codependency is a huge one in relationships. You know, like if one person's always the stronger one and always, you know, helping out with, you know, all oh, this one's problems, but this one's the only one that has problems and this one doesn't, you know, it can easily lead to, oh man, I'm just going to lean into this person because he's always, he's my answer. But it's a, relationships are an equal ground, you know, uh, even ground. It's not one person's more powerful than the other. Sure, you exchange roles every now and again because there's sometimes where one needs to be the leader and one needs to be the one who's, you know, listening and receiving counsel. But that can flip in a week, you know. I can't tell you how many times, you know, with me and Monica, it's been like, you know, she'll have a hard day and she comes to me for counsel. And, you know, I comfort her, I counsel her. But then the next day, it could be me. It very well has been me, you know. And she's had to counsel me and be the leader. So, you know, it is an equal playing field. But we both have our own responsibility for the relationship. Um, trust. Having trust in another person, trusting them. Um, you know, sometimes trust, you know, can be expected once again. But trust isn't always expect like supposed to be given when expected i don't know how to say how I'm, what i'm trying to say <laughs> me when i like when it comes to trust in a relationship this is where i a point i've gotten to i really will just be such an open book with people now i'll sit there and like if, even if it's like only a couple times of meeting you, I'm like, hey, how's it going? And if you start getting me into a conversation about my past, I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, I did some crazy stuff, you know, and go through the whole list of things. And you'll sit there like, what? <laughs> and but 
I, me doing that, I'm putting my heart out there, and it shows that, you know, I, I trust you. I trust you with very vulnerable information, you know. Uh, I'm trusting you with things that, you know, are very deep, that not everybody knows about me, even though I do talk about it a lot. You know, not everybody knows that about me. Um, so that, when it comes to trust, like, being vulnerable, being open, and not feeling like, you know, he, that person has to be vulnerable before I be vulnerable. Be powerful. Take the first step. You know, you'll be surprised what happens when you're vulnerable first. It is nice. You'll feel like, wow, I'm free. <laughs> and sometimes vulnerability, like if you don't trust someone, it can be a vulnerable thing to say, hey, I don't trust you in this way. Yeah. And talk about it. So it's okay to not, I would say, yeah. trust someone entirely. Sure. But communicating that with them. Sure. Yeah, and thank you. Because I, like, like I said, a lot of the stuff I've gone through now, I'm like, done it's gone it's the dead and in the past so i can talk about it real openly but yep. you know there i know people here have things that they haven't talked about with anyone and i want to be really sensitive to that like it's okay and like it's okay to not just trust somebody right off the bat sometimes this is why i'm talking about building relationships with people you know sometimes it takes five or six hangouts sometimes it takes like six months to a year before you actually trust somebody because it you know trust has probably been betrayed in the past you know um but um, like i said praise god like i've really like my relationship with god has become really good and so but it's not the same for everybody and i'm not saying that your relationship's not good i'm just saying you don't have to trust somebody right off the bat um moving forward trust is good it is good to be vulnerable though i do want to push you into that <laughs> or nudge you, not push you. I like pushing sometimes, but <laughs> you should be vulnerable. You should be trusting people because people aren't all bad. Trust me, they're not all bad. Um, let's move forward. Um, when it comes to our relationship, I have real trust and faith in God the Father that He is the head and that He is the, the source of our relationship. That, you know, he's the one that can help keep this thing going. You know, when I feel down, he's the one that's speaking and saying, like, the kind of mediator of, like, hey, you know, you might need to talk to this person because that their reaction, something's not right. You know, if we're both trusting in God the Father as our source and not each other as a source of joy or a source of, like, entertainment or friendship or love or all that stuff, if I'm trusting God first, then I don't expect a ton from you and I don't put you in a place of God where I'm expecting you to fulfill the things God's supposed to do for me, and then we can be free to love one another. You know, we can be free to be in relationship with one another and not have those heavy expectations on each other. Um, and the last thing I have here, and this is on separation. Um, separation is such, such a huge deal when it comes to your relationship with people. And if you haven't like heard the teaching of separation, if you're like, what the heck is separation, Cameron? Go to the podcast. We have a podcast. We have, I think, two teachings on there. I don't know if the second one's been posted, but I know we've had two teachings. The first one is posted um, on separation. Matt does a phenomenal job teaching on separation. And I tell you what, like, when I just told you about how free I've become, I wouldn't be this free if I didn't know the teaching of separation. <laughs> when I can separate myself from my, you know, the sin, the the mistakes, the circumstances, 
man, you're so free. And when you can do that for not only for yourself but for other people, woo, good times all around. Because you can hang out with some real hood rats, <laughs> you know, some real ratchet people, and see so much gold in them, and just be like, oh, you are so good, Stephanie. No. You've met one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that guy. He's so sweet. Took a shower in our shower. <laughs> he needed it, but. Um, so I'll go into just like, I, I I thought it'd be maybe pertinent to just talk about steps about, you know, thinking about giving help. And this is more gearing towards like, if somebody's seeking counsel on something, because a lot of times just an encouraging word on a Saturday night doesn't really fix the problem and some people really need to talk stuff out in an in-depth way where they get everything out on the table and look you might not have the title of counselor but the Holy Spirit is the great counselor you know <laughs> like he's the greatest counselor you could have you know I, I've counseled people Ron's counseled people and I can tell you the you know common denominator between us is that we have the Holy Spirit if we didn't have the Holy Spirit whoo counseling would be rough but yeah. Holy Spirit is the the thing that helps counseling so well and each one of us can help counsel each one of us can do that with one another in the community um, so these are steps that I'm just gonna give you as a guideline for you know when it comes to helping somebody um, the first step is you know obviously let's just be friends I already talked about this build relationship first I'm not just trying to counsel you uh, and fix your problems because you're a big problem at the church. I want to know you. I want to get to know your life. I want to know your story. I want to know your dreams, your visions. I want to know everything about you because God thought you were worth getting to know. God thought you were worth, you know, putting on earth. So if God thinks that about you, then I want to think that about you because God says you're my brother or God says you're my sister. And, you know, I want to know those things. So I'm going to do my best to pursue connection so I understand the whole context of you, what makes you you, so that when it comes to your problem, I can see why it's causing you such issues, you know? Um, big deal. And um, the other thing is, um, uh, don't make assumptions about people just because you've seen this before. Once again, this goes back to the daddy issues thing, you know, somebody can be doing something and one person was manifesting as like, you know, two kids could be crying in a room, you know, they're both manifesting the exact same thing, but it could be for totally different reasons. One could have, you know, shredded their diaper, you know, and the other could have, you know, just been, <laughs> that's powerful, could just be scared because they're in a new place. But if you treat them both as if they shredded their diaper, you're going to get bad results. Or if you treated them both as if, you know, they're scared, you're going to get bad results again. So, and they're not really going to feel seen. Right, and they don't feel seen or valued. Nobody wants to be treated as like a, a project. Uh, nobody wants to be a project. Or like they shredded their diaper. Yeah, no, nobody wants to be treated like they shredded their diaper. Just because Micah shredded his diaper. I don't want to be treated like I shredded mine. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's just fun. Examples. Examples. <laughs> um, so assumptions are the worst. Do not make assumptions. If you start having assumptions... My best suggestion is go talk to the person and say, hey, this thing came up in my head. It's probably the enemy, honestly. But I'd say about 95% of the time you have like assumptions just pop up in your head like that, it can be the enemy. Now, the Holy Spirit will give you knowledge and words into things like that, but you know the difference. Um, the second step to you know helping somebody is determine, does this person actually want help? 
you know, is there, you know, are they just being told by everybody that they need to go see somebody who can talk them through their problems, but they don't actually want help? And this is really important to do. You know, a lot of counselors will give like an intake assessment saying like, you need to fill this out. What's going on? Like, are, do you really want this help? Why, why did you come here? Oh, well, you know, my, my grandma sent me, she told me, you know, I needed to get this thing fixed. And so I'm just here to do what she said. I'm not going to spend my time with you, not because I don't value you, but when you're asking for like extensive counseling help, but you don't want help, <laughs> why are we here? You know, I'll just, I'd rather just take you out to cookout, get to know you, be a listening ear for you to complain to, and, you know, maybe be able to speak some kind of encouraging word in there to, you know, egg you on. Um, but this is super important because a lot of times um, we can just assume that everybody wants help, you know, and even if somebody comes up to you and says, like, hey, can we talk, you know, like, I really want to, you know, talk to you about some things. It is really important to sit down and pray with the Holy Spirit and listen to Him speak. Does this person really want help? You know, and because they... Hmm. Some people can say, like, I need help because they're in a moment of guilt or shame. And they feel like this is the right answer or the right thing to do, but they won't follow up on it. And then one month later, you've wasted your time with somebody who hasn't taken anything you've said. And um, they've taken everything from you. Yeah. You know? And that is not a good place to be in. That is how the devil sneaks in. It's like a Trojan horse. You know, he sneaks in, and uh, my dad always talks about this. He uses your, like, your kindness against you. You know, yes, we are supposed to be kind. Yes, we are supposed to be gentle and meek, and, like, especially with people, like, in our church, and our church family. Like, I want to be kind and gentle and meek. But the Holy Spirit gives discernment. You know, James talks about, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask, and it should be given to you. If you need wisdom, get wisdom. But have wisdom when it comes to a situation. Don't let somebody come in and steal everything from you. Just because they say they want help doesn't actually mean that they want help. There sometimes needs to be some steps that they need to make in order to show, like, I really want to do this. Um, so that's a big deal. Um, and the other thing, too, is we can um, just accept people to help people. I, I know I've done this. It's like, you know, I've said, like, yeah, I'll, I'll help you, but... I was in a point where I needed like affirmation. So I was like, man, this makes me feel good. Somebody wants me to help them, you know? And um, it can kind of play into like a hero complex thing of like, I like being the hero. I like being wanted in this way because I can fix a problem. That's not helpful for a person, trust me. Because now you're turning them into a project or you're using them to get something and that's not good. Um, just deciding on what I want to say next and if they don't want help it's okay it is okay like I said God gave everyone free will God gave everybody the right to choose life or death in every decision they make and it is so important to not fall into the trap of trying to force somebody to make a choice yes you can show them hey this is the, the truth this is the, here's the life, here's the death. You choose. But when they choose, you've got to honor them for making their choice. You've got to let people make their choice. Don't overstep that boundary. You need to know when your life ends and somebody else's begins. Um, whew, don't put yourself in the place of God. If someone does decide they want help, 
you need to decide whether you are prepared to help this person. So somebody might say, yeah, I do need help. And you see it and you're like, yeah, they, they do want help. They actually are about this. They're about this life. Um, you need to understand, know, like, am I prepared for this? Now, I know I talked earlier about, like, you need to help people. You know, this is what it says, bear each other's burdens and stuff like that. Yes, that is correct. But when it comes to counseling in a specific targeted way, you don't have to do that, guys. <laughs> That's not what I'm here to say. You know, some of you might be like, yo, I have no idea what it, this is about, you know. Okay, good. Here's one thing you can do that's really easy. Encourage somebody. That's a great help. You know, that's one of my favorite things to do. I could hype you up enough to run through a brick wall, you know. That's like one of my, like, gifts is I'm, encur I'm an encourager. Um, but, you know, like, don't, don't look at that as, like, weak either because encouragement can be just as good as like you know this big I figured out your life and why your problem is you know um, there are people that are more geared towards that um, don't just hear that and say like oh yeah those people are more geared towards that I'm not just listen to the Holy Spirit know what the Holy Spirit's telling you be in relationship with him you know I always talk about being in relationship with him don't do anything separate from relationship with him you know if somebody comes and asks you for help your first thought should be, Dad, what's going on here? Holy Spirit, give me answers because I, I, I don't know exactly. You know, am I the one to help? Because I can't help. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I can't help, you know, you with your, like, women with periods. I don't, I've never had a period. I don't know why this has been the idea that's been in my head all day. I couldn't even, I looked at Monica, I was like, I can't even think of another. I don't know what a period feels like. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't I can sympathize with you I can be like you got this girl <laughs> only a couple days left we're in the clear you know but I don't understand the whole thing that goes about that so maybe I'm not the best person to talk to also you're coming to talk to me about this <laughs> I got a wife <laughs> please talk to Monica go to somebody else <laughs> but you see like the idea there is you know like I, I might not be an expert in this in an area, yeah. one that doesn't discredit me. But if it's not like helpful for me to help you, I gotta know when to say no. Yeah. One of the biggest, yeah. another one of the biggest problems is that you know, people say, "Oh yeah, I can help you," and then they aren't actually able to help. What does that do to a person that's been is trying to get help? Yeah. They just hit another brick wall. Yeah. And man, I tell you what, after hitting three, four brick walls within the span of a year over the same thing, and you've gone to somebody who's in the church that you looked up to and respected, and then that happens, oh, that sucks. Mm -hmm. You know, just don't put yourself in the position. Maybe you know? asking, like, what can you do? Yeah. What am I equipped to help you with? Right. It may not be to help you with this, but I can make you a meal, I can encourage yeah. you, and I can yes. encourage you to go talk to someone who is right. more equipped yeah. than I. Yeah, like, you have period problems. Monica's right here. She knows exactly what you're going through. She'd be way more fit to help you out, you know. Or you know, there's other ways to help. So, um, yeah, go ahead. It's like the goal is to, if that person asks for help, is to get them the help they need. So it's, no, it's not yeah. about you. No. It's about honoring and encouraging and building right. that person. So if, if you are not equipped, you need to get out of the way. Yeah. and say, this is the best option for yeah. you. Yeah. Because that's going to love that person the best. Yeah. It's not even about you. Right. So. Right. Yep. It's a big deal. Getting people the help they need and not just fulfilling your 
you know, yeah, which is need to be yeah. wanted. Yeah. Separate those yeah. things. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Man, this is a good time. Or, or just that it's not your burden. Yeah. And right. Even if you have a good heart about it. Yeah, you can have the best heart about a situation. Right. You can want to fix it. You can want so bad, but if God says no, yeah. God says no, and yeah. you've got to honor that. Yeah. You know, yeah. just because. Yeah. You know, God's God's good is not always God's best. God's always got a best. Mm -hmm. And maybe in this situation, yeah, maybe you can do this. But maybe there's somebody else that God's saying, this is way more their thing. And you never know because that could help somebody else step up Mm -hmm. and do something that they've never done before. And you don't want to impede that person's growth. So not only are you dealing with the one person who's got the problem, but there's another person that's supposed to grow. I mean, the Lord has networks of things he's working at the same time. When he says something, you know... Man, he's got a good plan going on here. He's got, you know, all these different webs of stuff going on. I'm just going to say yes and stay in my lane and do what I'm supposed to do. Um, Now, if you and the other person do, uh, you have decided to um, pursue counseling, you need to, this is super basic, set up a consistent meeting time in a good place, safe environment. You know, if it's just, you know, getting to know you and stuff like that, you can go to off to Starbucks, go to cookout, whatever, more public place and have these conversations. But when it comes to more like intense stuff like, yo, I am dealing with wanting to murder my dog, you know, if they come to counsel for that, you know, then let hey, we need to talk. Let's get alone. You know. Yeah, right. No. <laughs> I mean, we do if it if they leave and they still have the same concept. They came up to us for help, so we don't betray their trust. <laughs> but you know, set up a meeting place. Be consistent. Consistency is so simple, so simple. Every Tuesday at seven. Don't plan anything for Tuesday at seven. Just do every Tuesday at seven. Something comes up, you let them know. You figure it out. Don't be that guy that's six thirty on Tuesday. Yay, you know, man. I'll just got off of work. I'm super tired. And, you know, maybe we can just, can we just skip until next week? Especially if you're the one helping. Mm. Well, actually, especially if you're the one seeking help. If you're the one seeking help and you can't make it to a meeting, then you don't really want help. And you probably shouldn't have passed skip step one. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. So now we'll go into just a couple things of how to help people. And it's simple, very simple. Number one, listen. James one nineteen. Slow to speak, quick to listen. That is like one of the biggest things with counseling somebody. Sometimes, you know, you can sit in a room and sit there for an hour and just listen to somebody talk. And then they sat there and talked for an hour. They go, crap, I know exactly what's wrong. And you're like, good. Good. (laughs) Praise God. And that's, that's awesome. But listening is such a vital thing because a lot of times when somebody's, you know, exhibiting issues and like exhibiting bad behaviors because they're having these internal issues is because they don't feel heard and they don't feel seen. They don't feel validated, you know, and that is the number one thing we want to do. We're pursuing connection. Connection means I see you. I hear you. I understand. Even if I think it is dumb, you know, I see you and I hear you. And I, you know, maybe to me it seems dumb, but in your mind it's a big deal. So it's a big deal to me. You know, I don't care much about, you know, the Eagles losing a football game. 
<laughs> but it's a big deal to Kate, and if she were crying and, you know, on the verge of, you know, just bad behavior and stuff like that, I'd be like, Kate, you know, I feel you, man. One time when I was a Steelers fan. <laughs> um, our goal in conversation is to seek to understand. We want to understand the, the, the context of a person, not just their problem. We want to um, not just validate our own assumptions about why they're having a problem. We want to know them. We want to hear it straight out of their mouth. Um, the next thing is asking questions. Asking good questions this is the best tool for counseling besides listening. Is asking good questions. Because who wants to go to a counselor who just tells you, just sits there and talks about something the whole day and tells you what's right, but you're sitting there like, ah, I think I missed some of that. I, I know for me, I have some short term memory loss. So if somebody sits there and like talking to me for a long time, I'm like, uh, <laughs> I start crossing. Like, you know, it, but when somebody asks me a good question, that makes me go, mm, ah, man, uh, wow. It really makes you reflect. Jesus was the king of asking, like, good questions. You know, you'd come up to Jesus saying, Jesus, this is the law. We gotta follow the law. And he'd say, are you without sin? <laughs> you know? Yeah. You can cast the first stone if you're without sin. You're like, well, <laughs> never mind, I'm going home. We'll try them again <laughs> next time, boys. You know? Jesus asked questions that were so targeted, not just to what you were asking, because that's another thing. People, or people will come and talk about all this stuff. You know, they'll paint you this story that has all these details of things that don't matter. But the Holy Spirit will tell you, oh, this is about this. This is about the rejection yeah. they felt as a little kid. You know, and when God tells you that thing, you say, you ask a question. Well, how did that make you feel when your mom said that to you? And then they go, all the noise fades, all the complaining about all that stuff. And then it's like, man, I felt really bad. And then you see the, the gear start grinding, and they're like, oh, man, I'm, I get this now. Like, So now you've led them. It's the whole, you know, feed a man a fish a day, you know, fed for a day, but teach a man how to fish, and he'll eat for the rest of his life. We're not just here to, once again, give people all the answers, because that also breeds codependency, you know. And, man, I'm just telling you, like, not everybody has time for the same problem from the same person over and over and over again. Don't breed that codependency. Make sure they know that they have responsibility. And that, you know, if they have a problem, what are you going to do about it? That Danny Silk has a book called Keep Your Love On. Highly recommend it. Please read it. He's also got a book called Culture of Honor. That's also really good and has fed a lot into this teaching. But in <coughs> Keep Your Love On, he talks about, like... Um, you know, if, if somebody's coming up to you and saying, like, you know, my, man, my, like, my day has sucked, and this person at work really treated me bad, and all this different stuff, and he goes, oh, man, that must really suck, connection. Man, I, I totally get that. Like, I would hate that if I were you. What are you going to do about it? Not me telling you, like, oh, well, that Lisa's a jerk, because, you know, man, I don't know why I just thought about this. There's a post that Ronnie did years ago that I will never forget is that only God can defend his kids without attacking another. When you defend somebody, a lot of times you can yeah. tend to attack another person. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's an issue going on with Ron and Angel and I tell Angel, well don't listen to him, he's just a dummy, just to make <laughs> Angel feel good. Well now I've attacked Ron's character. That's not good. Only God can say, 
Angel, that's not the truth. And defend both at the same time. Man, he's good. Um, so we ask questions. Asking questions is super good. Um, keeps us at a place where your life is your life. And you have to make choices to change your life. And you're a powerful person. You know, I don't want you to sit in my house for six months doing the same counseling over and over. I want you to be here for like two weeks and be like, oh, snap, I got this. I don't need you anymore, Cam. I'll be like, nice, let's go get cookout next week. <sighs> <laughs> Another thing you can do. Um, oh, no, I didn't want to turn it to low power mode. It'll shut off. Another thing you can do, um, and we've talked about this all last year, is identifying spiritual roots. If it's a really deep issue, um, man, these spiritual roots teachings are crucial and they are key when it comes to counseling. Um, it's pretty much, when it comes to deeper problems, it's pretty much all I use other than like the Holy Spirit. That's like my biggest tool is the spiritual roots teachings. And if you haven't been here for all of them and you don't understand what I'm talking about, once again, the podcast. All of 2018, pretty much the entire year, I think that's all we taught was spiritual roots of, you know, rejection and all that different stuff. And it is so, such good teachings. Um, and trust me, you will get just as much help for yourself as you will for another person um, but this is another point you know we've learned a lot about the spiritual roots and a lot of times you know we think it's about just me figuring out oh do I have a root of this do I have a root of that but the root knowing the spiritual roots actually helps you in dealing with other people mm-hmm. and that is like good make the spiritual roots give them legs um, roots 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 um, and then past that you know if Sometimes all people need is just for you to be there to listen to. I, I know I already said that, but sometimes that's all people need is for you to just sit there and listen to them. So don't feel like that's bad. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Let Him guide you in this. Don't Once again, don't follow like a formula. Don't go on Google and say, Wiki how, how to help a person in 10 steps, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wiki hell. Wiki wiki hell. Um, yeah. So, um, the last thing I'll talk about is levels of relationship. This is also in Danny Silk's book. It's really important too. Um, is knowing that not everybody should get the same access to you. And that might sound harsh. You know, a lot of times we feel like, oh, well, you know. I should be able to talk to anybody I want at any time I want, blah, 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 all that stuff. And if they don't, then they just think they're bigger than, you know, they're britches. But, you know, how weird would it be, you know, Monica's my wife. She's got a pretty high level of, like, relationship with me. We hang out pretty much every day. You know, we sleep together. You know, it's a good time. If I were to hang out with, uh, you know, Angel like that, (laughs) <laughs> hung out every day sleeps in the same bed as me all this stuff I'm, I'm serious I mean I know this is a funny example but you know what would that look like yeah, that's not good and that doesn't honor my relationship with Monica that doesn't honor all the things we've been through together it actually discredits her and what does that make her feel like well now it hurts that relationship so now she's back down into another category of relationship not everybody gets the same access to you. Jesus did the same thing. Jesus, you know, he was always, you know, he would go out into the crowds, he would be there for people, but he also spent most of his life with 12, the disciples. And those were the people he constantly poured into every single day. Sure, he made time for other people, 
You know, that he, he didn't just cut off everybody else. And ultimately, the most time he spent with anybody was the father, you know. But he poured most of his life out into the 12, a small select group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even among the 12. Yeah, yeah and even among the 12, there was the three, you know. So there was like, there are levels of intimacy in your groups, and you need to prioritize them and pray about them. And I'm not talking about treating people like projects and, you know, treating them as a number on your list. That's not what I'm talking about. But speak to the Holy Spirit. I can't give you the right answer. I don't know the right answer. You know, I don't know the right order for you because it's going to be different. That's why you need a relationship with the Holy Spirit so He can direct you to say, you know, this is a relationship you really need to be pouring in in this season because they can change too. You know, obviously... God is going to be right in the focal point. Monica's going to be right after that. My family, my friends are going to be right after that. And then the rest is like acquaintances, you know, and that's where, but sometimes there's an acquaintance that's in a moment like where we've really hit it off and, you know, I'm I'm moving them up here, you know, I'm moving them to a different place. So you need to constantly like be able to prioritize things. Miles Monroe talks about priorities, setting your priorities straight. And when you have your priorities out of whack, your whole life can fail (laughs) like it's a big deal to have priorities so and this isn't you know cutting anybody off or telling them they ain't worthy or any of that you know it it is healthy to set these boundaries um would you use the word inner circle you can yeah 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 close mates i i call it yeah. Say we could have a holy of holies and then a circle. Uh, hardcore. No, we don't want to do that. <laughs> I, just, I just separate rubs from briskies, brisias, brisias, Anyway, that's pretty much all I've got on this topic. Um, I just want to end it with this. I, I dream. I said at the beginning, I dream of our church, like being so like knowing that every person has a responsibility to play, and that everybody plays that responsibility, and seeing what that looks like, what it would look like, where we're all on the equal like playing field, where any given week we could just come up here, nobody's prepared to speak, and somebody just go, well, I got something from the Lord, and just go, and we're all like, that was exactly what we needed to hear, you know, or like we don't even have to prepare worship, that somebody's just like. Yeah, God gave me a couple songs that I really feel like, you know, I'm supposed to lead. And then a couple other people are like, yeah, that's right. We felt that too, you know. And then, it, you know, just see what that's like. I dream of this. So let's take steps as the church. Let's learn from the past mistakes of other churches, even the ones we've been a part of that didn't care for their people. Let's not become like them. Let's not be so bitter to them that we just replicate what they've done. Let's change the course of history. Let's change what the church is known as because a lot of people just know the church as a bunch of, you know, powerful men and, you know, that don't care about people and brainless people. I mean, I don't want to be, I don't want anybody at our church to be known as a, a sheep, a brainless sheep. You know, I want you guys to know that you're all capable of so, so much. And this is how we do it by going shoulder to shoulder with one another. Not looking at one another as, you know, weaker than the other, but always putting each other's needs before our own. And watching how that, like, works. Ah, man, uh, really quick, there's a scripture uh, in Isaiah that um, 
talks about helping. You know, when you sometimes when you need help, you feel like, oh, I just need to take care of me. But there are times when you're you need to help somebody else, and God will take care of you. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see if I can find it. Give me one second. Ah. Uh, it's it's in Isaiah 58, um, and Isaiah's you know calling out the people of Israel who have been fasting, but their fasting has all been like show. It's all been like performance. It's empty, and he's like going into them, and um, he says, "Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke?" Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house, when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and thou that, that thou hide thy, not thyself from thine own flesh? Then this is a then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Man, that's such a big deal. He literally goes in order, saying, "You help somebody else." Now you've helped them, awesome. You've set loose the captives. You've set free the wicked. You know, now your healing is going to spring forth. I love that word, spring forth. So good. That's what I'm going to end on, guys. We'll go into Q and A. I'm going to stop the recording.